Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today, I am bringing back a pretty recent one. We try to wait a year at least before we bring a classic back, but... You might have seen on the news, you might have seen on social media, and I'm sure you thought of me, that AO3, the fanfiction website, (laughs) was the victim of a DDoS attack, which is a denial of service attack. Um, And so I'm bringing back this this, uh, episode that is about fanfiction and AO3 specifically. And I thought I would also update too, because now, since recording this, I have published fanfiction on AO3. So now I know there, there's a section in there where I was talking about something that I'd never done before. Now I know it. Um, okay. So I think it was July 10th. July 10th is when AO3 went down. Uh, this is terrible news for me and <laughs> many people who read fanfiction. It is one of the biggest, uh, if not the biggest, uh, fanfiction website it is run by volunteers it is a uh, 5013c my partner yesterday was like oh it went down did you check on annie <laughs> i was like oh I yes i texted her yesterday or the day before yesterday i made sure she was That's... alive <laughs> <laughs> it was my coping mechanism being taken away <laughs> there has been a lot of confusion about what happened um it is back up as we record this which is july 12th july 12th and thank you to all the volunteers that did that because it is, yep, run by volunteers. So they were the ones that were having to figure out a solution. But there was a lot of discussion around like who was behind it and a lot of confusion around who was behind it. There was a lot of talk about it being a religious political group. Um, but it seems uh, that it was, yes, Russian hackers doing it. And... <laughs> Uh, the the people communicating about it at at because it was like they have a Twitter where you can 
monitor the status if something is wrong. They have a Tumblr where you can monitor if something's wrong. And they were very open that like the people who are taking claim for this are being were being told did it didn't do it. That's what the cybersecurity people are telling us. But <laughs> it was funny because Samantha and I were just talking about like it was a horrible for me and my friends who read fan fiction. It was a horrible like 30-ish hours. But <laughs> it was funny because they've attacked this group or the who they proclaim to be has attacked big companies, like really big companies. And they came for AO3. So I feel like that means AO3 has made it. <laughs> AO3 has made it mainstream. <laughs> it was trending. It's so odd. <laughs> yes. Again, like I said, if it weren't for you, yep. literally just you, I would have never known about what AO3. I would have been like, what Mm-mm. is that? What's ha- who is this? And the fact that they don't profit off of anything and they're not a corporate any entity, I'm like, what? It? What is happening? Right. It, I mean, it was a, not a good thing. I'm really angry about it. It was said because that there's queer content on there. And when I like joke about there are articles written within the past decade that are fear mongering around fan fiction from the U.S., I am not kidding. Like right. people right. like to say it's like terrifying that young girls especially are writing about sex or whatever, especially queer sex, because I was thinking about it. Even stories where the main couples are straight, there's almost always a queer couple in there. There's almost always some queer element in there. It is a very queer space. But that was the reason this group gave for attacking AO3 was basically like, it's a blasphemous queer space. But when you texted me to check in, the thing I kind of half-jokingly texted back was, my PDFs, this is why I download the PDFs, which I'm like the only person I know that does that. But you can download fan fiction to read later or offline a PDF. I usually do it because I'm afraid they'll delete it later because you can, you know, maybe one day you're like, oh, no, that thing I wrote when I was 15, I don't want that up anymore. And that's fair enough. Um, so I download the PDF. But I was thinking about it. The reason AO3 exists at all is because Tumblr started just erasing fan fiction on their platform without warning, without like any reason. And so people were like, we need an archive of our own. Hence the name. Um, But I was thinking about it, and it reminded me of what we talked about in our fanzine episode, where now they're trying to upload all of these things from fanzines that would be lost otherwise. I was like, what if I'm... I'm, I have to be a part of the rebuilding <laughs> because I have all these PDFs and I could upload them. <laughs> um, luckily, it never came to that. And that's not what a deity is. She comes in with a save. <laughs> oh, it's kind of like that Toy Story story where uh, they erased all the data, but someone had got, gone on maternity leave and she had like a hard copy of it and she was the one that saved the entire movie. <laughs> I don't remember this, but yeah. I remember this. Yes. yes. I remember this. Yes. Um, I mean, fingers crossed that is not what a DDoS attack does. It wouldn't have deleted like everything they have. But I had the thought. <laughs> um, basically, it's just like being overwhelmed by bots. There are some people, but that prevents uh, others from uh, logging in or, or using the website at all. Uh, and it did have a whole message that was popping up that was like, we're under a DDoS attack. We'll be back. Don't worry. And I was like, no, I'm worried. Um, <laughs> but one day I will come back and I'll, because it's still, the dust is still kind of settling around this. 
and figuring out just what happened and who was behind it and everything. Another thing that happened in the wake of this was a lot of discussion around what we're seeing with book banning and what happens if that goes into a more online space. And there have been some proposed legislations around specifically protecting kids, uh, some in good faith and some in very bad faith, um, especially when it comes around queer content and trans content and what that could look like. So that's something that we need to look out for. And it is very scary. But I wanted to give a quick update to on. So in here, I was talking about archive warnings. And I'd never used them before as a writer from the writer's side. And one of the things they're trying to fix is um, by adding another archive warning for racism. So essentially, archive warnings, when you are going to post a story, and I know I talk about it in here, but I'm just going to come, now that I've used it, I feel much more comfortable and I know what I'm talking about. Um, When you publish a story, one of the first things you have to fill out is archive warnings. And so you can choose not to have them, but it will tell, then every reader will know, like the the author chose not to use archive warnings. And the archive warnings are um, big things like, as we talked about, rape and non-con, non-consent. So you have to say like that that's in there, underage, um, any underage contents, and then uh, like major character death, things like that. And so people are really pushing to add racism to that. That has to be a thing that is in the archive warning. So, and I've seen, they just had their, their big elections and they are, I've seen movement in that and talking about that. So that's good. But now I I feel, I know what, I know what that is much better now (laughs) that I've done it. And it is, it does feel like a very, I just want all my, my readers to have a good time. And it feels like so special to be like, here's what I have to, I don't want something to upset you without you knowing it. So you do have to be really mindful about the tags and the tagging. But yeah, that's my update. I have so much, I have so much fan fiction to catch up on, Samantha. Everyone's like publishing now. <laughs> um, I, That's the first thing you said to me. Yes. Yesterday. I know. I know. And it was exciting because I started getting comments on my work because I, I published on Sunday. And that was like right when it was happening. I was like, something's amiss. And I wasn't getting any of my usual comments, but now they're rolling in. Um, <laughs> yes. As long as they're rolling in. Well, <laughs> they're rolling in. All right. So I, I know, you know, I love to talk about fan fiction. I'm sure I will come back and revisit this when we, when I have more details. But in the meantime, please enjoy this classic episode. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are doing one that is very near and dear to my heart. Well, it is your birthday week, even though as we're recording it, it's not, but <laughs> coming upon it as if the listeners are listening to it, mm-hmm. it is Annie's birthday week, so we must do all things Annie loves. <laughs> Annie's, I was thinking that we needed a whole week of Annie's favorite things. Oh, gosh. I didn't want to do it that way, but, you know. I feel like this month has had a lot of topics that are some of my favorite things. So It's true. <laughs> As it should be. As it should be. Um, so hopefully you're enjoying all of the nerddom and nerdery. So much. And 
Samantha and I were discussing before this, I think we've said before how we generally, when we do these episodes, um, somebody will take the lead and do the research and write it out. And then we kind of split who says what. But there are some topics that it just feels so obvious that I'm the one that probably wrote this one. (laughs) Well, the title you have for this, and I don't know if we're using it, is a love letter to fan fiction. Yeah. (laughs) I think we know whose love letter it is from. Like, it's... (laughs) It's kind of obvious. It's true. It's true. So I, once again, I'm going to be talking a lot and Samantha's going to be supporting me and perhaps asking questions. If Every day. there is confusion. Yes, that's what I love about you. Um, however, you did reveal right before this you had a live journal and I want to come back and revisit this <laughs> at a later date. That'll be a later times. <laughs> yes, because I have quite a lot to say about fan fiction as it turns out. Surprise to no one. And actually, this one could have been longer. So it's a Monday mini, and I tried to limit myself, but it's already quite long. All right. So, yes, today we are, this is a love letter to one of the loves of my life, which is fan fiction. And we are going to be focusing specifically on AO3, or Archive of Our Own, which is my current favorite fan fiction site, though I grew up on fanfiction.net, which is still around as well. And also, I wanted to shout out a recent article that gave me this idea from The Verge, written by Jay Costello, called Archive of Our Own's 15-Year Journey from Blog Post to Fanfiction Powerhouse. AO3, by the way, is not a sponsor. It's also a nonprofit, so I doubt they would be a sponsor, but, you know, sometimes. And uh, you can see our episodes on Dubcon and Fanfiction. I think specifically Dubcon for this one, actually. All right. So according to this article, the first stirrings of what would become Archive of Our Own, or AO3, started in 2007 when fanfic authors, who again are mostly women and marginalized folks, saw some efforts from companies created by men to capitalize on the space. Um, One such company was called Fanlib, a commercialized fan content site that eventually garnered about 25,000 members, but also a whole bunch of criticism from people who had been writing fan fiction for free uh, in this space for years and felt like these outsiders were coming in and making money off of stuff that they'd always offered for free. Um, And a part of the whole thing that keeps people from being sued from writing fan fiction is that they aren't making money so I'm kind of confused by that. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later because apparently it's not as a big deal as I was taught that you might be sued at any minute. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, one of the big things is I'm not making any money. <laughs> Don't come at me, Disney. Right. All right. So seeing this kind of commercialization attempt, a published author, both of more traditional stuff and fan fiction named Naomi Novik, uh, wrote on LiveJournal, which was and still is a uh, space rife and growing with fan fiction, uh, wrote in 2007, We are sitting quietly by the fireside, creating piles and piles of content around us, and other people are going to look at that and see an opportunity. The people behind FanLib don't actually care about fanfic, the fanfic community, or anything except making money off content created entirely by other people and getting media attention. They don't have a single fanfic reader or writer on their board. They don't even have a single woman on their board. We need a central archive of our own. And so, uh, only a few months later, the nonprofit, the Organization of Transformative Works, was formed with a goal of preserving fan works and advocating for them as well. And Archive of Our Own was launched in 2009, which is a part of the Organization of Transformative Works, or OTW, um, and has become just about the biggest and well-known, most well-known name and fan fiction. However... 
As Costello details in the article, Novick starts the story about a decade earlier in 1997. And yes, I remember it well. That's about when I was, you know, I was coming up reading fan fiction. Um, and the fan fiction sites at that time were... They were spread out. Um, they often didn't work well or at all. I remember just like wonky text, like how it was laid out, would be very difficult to read. And sometimes these whole sites would break and then would lose people's works forever, which is devastating. Novik was a self-taught programmer and a fan fiction reader who was seeing all of this uh, happen to her friends. And so uh, to help, Novik brought some Pearl scripts, and it was through this she eventually got the idea of what was important when it came to archiving, which eventually these ideas made it their way to AO3. Things like highly searchable pages, all the tags you could ask for, and easily understandable recommendation functions. So once familiarized with scripting and coding, Novik started running a holiday fanfiction exchange in 2003, which Samantha's been around and I've like reaped the benefits of these exchanges. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. It's sort of like a secret Santa for fanfiction where authors will... Usually there's a prompt and then authors will assign, get assigned one of a, another author in the group and they write a story for that author. Right. Uh, and it means that like one Friday night, a hundred stories are posted or something. It's excellent. <laughs> excellent. Oh, it is. I love it. I love it. Through this, Novig really made a name for herself in the fan fiction community. And... Um, she recounts how people started volunteering to help her, meaning she pretty much never worked alone at this point. Novik said, After a while, the community you keep around yourself are the people who are reliable, who care enough about fandom that fandom is a way of life, that are willing to invest some time not just in reading the stories and writing the stories, but in the building of the infrastructure. Two of the people Novik worked with were an English performance and fan studies scholar named Francesca Coppa and a legal scholar and former clerk for the Supreme Court, uh, Rebecca Tushnet. Both were highly engaged in fandom's future and the legality of fan fiction and fan works. And on top of that, how fan fiction was perceived. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, 
where America goes to hire. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As discussed in our past fanfiction episodes, while now people write articles about their favorite fanfiction, their recommendations, if you like this, go read this. You can find TikTok recommendations about fanfiction. Big movies mention fanfiction and brace it. When I was growing up reading it, oh no, you did not talk about your fanfiction. You won't be the case. Like your older brother right now, you're reading fanfiction. You tried to hide it. You had like your select group of friends that knew who and they also read it. And the articles being written about it were not kind at the time. They were deriding it um, and even whipping up fear-mongering around it. Like, why are young girls writing erotica? Ah! And also, yes, you'll get sued. You're wasting your time. Why don't you do something original? All that stuff. And yeah, historically, it had been like this for a long way, going back to the 1800s when religious people were worried about women writing fan fiction with any romantic or sexual content. Uh, they were These women were not upstanding and maybe even possessed. So long time we felt like this as a society. And... A big part of this fear or derision, as recounted in the article and as I can personally attest to, was homophobia and sexism, specifically like a real fear of women's sexuality. Since fan fiction is pretty queer, uh, it's a pretty queer space dominated by women. Kappa recalls receiving frantic emails from authors worried they'd lose their jobs if their boss found out that they wrote fan fiction. One example Kappa gave was from a woman who wrote, I'm going through a divorce and my husband is going to take my fic and tell the judge I'm an unfit mother and try to take my children. How fast can you make me disappear from the internet? Kappa also shared her own anxieties about fandom and being asked if there was fan fiction about Kirk and Spock having sex. Like a lot of times when she would appear to talk about it, that was like the thing people asked. To which she remembers responding essentially, yep. You should go read it. <laughs> she herself had nightmares about losing her job over fan fiction. And I have too, um, because I thought I accidentally gave a whole flash drive of my fan fiction to a coworker. I won't say who, but I spent like a year twisting and turning at night thinking about this. <laughs> and 
know. I was gonna. I get feel like it fired. was longer than a year. It to be was honest. Long. I'm still scared. I don't know the answer for sure, <laughs> but I've kind of come to peace with it. Like I can't worry about this any longer. But then I was afraid. Like, what if he never saw it? But he lost the flash drive and then someone else saw it and they put it up and they were like, look what this deprived girl is writing. She's messed deprived up. Deprived or depraved? <laughs> deprived. Which one are you? Uh, both. <laughs> both. <laughs> oh, gosh. It, it's a real fear. It is. Yes. And then meanwhile, Tushnet was one of the first who was outspoken in defending fan fiction on the legal side, maintaining that almost all of it was completely legal. Because this was, I'm telling you, at the time, everybody would put like a disclaimer at the top, like, this is owned by Disney. I'm only playing in their sandbox and I don't make any money. Please don't. Like people, every fan fiction had something like that at the top. We were very scared about them getting sued or something. So all of this came together with FanLib acting as a catalyst in 2007. And as I've discussed before, one of the beautiful things about fanfiction is the community around it. And Novik and Coppa, along with many others, have been a part of the building and cultivating this fandom. And they weren't just going to let fanlib and the like come in and erase that. Coppa said, I'm in a fandom where somebody is hurt and another fan drives two states over to help. And so there was a sense of urgency that we had to build something before somebody else built something shiny that would make new people who've come to fandom think, oh... That's what fandom is. Another catalyst, uh, not long after Novik's original 2007 post, LiveJournal suddenly and permanently suspended over 500 accounts that made some kind of mention around sexual content. And they did this without warning to accounts that did nothing illegal and did not violate LiveJournal's terms. They didn't give any consistent reason why. The CEO even called the whole thing a total mess and promised to reinstate those wrongfully banned. But surprise, surprise, a few months later, the same thing happened with even more bans going through. And this was a major cause for concern for fan communities when people or whole groups could get banned without warning. And fanfiction.net had a similar issue. So a new space was needed. Originally, Novik had said she wasn't interested in building the archive herself, but so many people reached out to her wanting to, to help, but unclear on what to do, unsure of how to organize. So Novik changed her mind. She decided on a nonprofit to protect it from being sold if founders ever moved on and or wanted to sell. FanLib itself was purchased by Disney and shut down almost a year after beta testing. So that's what they were trying to prevent. Through years of running events both online and off with participants the world over of coding, Novik had a lot of the necessary skills and knew people who had the ones she didn't. All kinds of volunteers stepped up with experience in law, server maintenance, design, accessibility, coding, design, all kinds of things. I said design twice. It's very important uh, because fans are everywhere and do everything. In the words of Copa, fangirls do absolutely every job there is. The founding members of the team put together coding programs so that people who wanted to learn to code uh, could, they had an avenue to do so. People, mostly women, recount doing this and having fun in a space they may have never entered or thought that they couldn't do it or intimidated by it. They join with friends and then go on to train others so that the community could support itself. And because it was built by volunteers who are fans, it was built around their feedback. The tagging system, which is one of my absolute favorite things, uh, for she instance, it's so good. It. It's so good. They're so creative. <laughs> so basically, if an author 
wants to tag a thing in a way that might not be how a reader searches for it, but is the same thing, they should end up wrangling to the same story. So there are these people called tag wranglers. And so if I type in sad murder dad in Star Wars fan fiction, but it's really just sad Darth Vader. Exactly. It should still bring me to that story, even if it's not tagged sad murder dad. People who worked on this, the tagging system, understandably feel really proud of it, including founding member Michelle Tepper, who told Verge, I actually have saved on my phone the tag page for feels, um, i.e. emotional stories. You can just scroll through and see all of the different version of feels. Feels, exclamation part. All the feels. So many feels. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I have ever helped make happen in my career. <laughs> and she worked for NTV and BBC, by the way. Um, I mean, I we used to say that as a kid. All the feels. All Why do I have feels? to feel? <laughs> all the feels. That was a common phrase I used in high school and college for real. So who's spying on me? <laughs> Archive of our own is all about getting to you, <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues 
pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. And then uh, Lucy Pearson, he was originally a volunteer in one of the coding initiatives and moved on to become the chair of the Accessibility Design and Technology Committee, said of the experience, it was really quite exhilarating coming in on the coding side and doing something that I'd never even really considered doing before. It really made me rethink who I was and what I could do. So with all of this work and organizing, AO3 went into Alpha in 2009, The launch wasn't without problems. For one, they realized they didn't have a real way to invite people to join. People worked around the clock over Christmas holidays that year after they ran Novik's holiday fanfiction exchange on AO3. And it involved people around the world and did result in a lot of burnout in the early days. On top of that, because it was developed by mostly white, mostly middle class, and mostly American Western women... That some of that biases went into the programming. And that has been a topic of much discussion and debate lately. Um, and it, yes, it's something we always have to keep in mind with technology uh, around AO3's policies and handling of concerns of people of color. So basically, there's three tags. Oh, there's three tags that you have to tag um, no matter what. And one of them, as we talked about in DubCon, is rape or non-consensual. But right now, racism isn't one. So that's one of the pushes is to get that as one. In 2020, a group of scholars and fans wrote the OTW, a letter reading in part, we strongly urge the board to take immediate steps to help make fandom a space where all fans, particularly Black, Indigenous, and ethnically marginalized fans from all over the globe can thrive. In response, AO3 launched functionalities like blocking users when logged in and turning off comments, but still many on the board lament how slow it is to change and how there are still pages up from 2009. The perception of fanfiction, however, has changed quite a bit. One of the board members was on a WizCon panel uh, soon after AO3 launched called Fanfic, Threat or Menace. It was scheduled at 10.30 at night, and a part of the description asked if fanfiction should be, quote, accepted as a legitimate creative activity. A decade later, that same board member appeared at the same conference on a packed panel in the middle of the day, explaining to people's shock they had not always been welcomed at this convention. Time Magazine named AO3 one of the best websites in 2013, and it won a Hugo Award in 2019. Copa's University, the one she'd been afraid of being fired from for writing fanfiction, put her picture on the front page. A part of their success was their ability to lessen the fear of lawsuits. So as I said, like, in the early days, you would be scared. These big companies would show up at your door, you'd get in huge trouble, and you'd have to explain your fan fiction in front of people in like a legal setting. Yeah, they've been able to lessen that fear, which has allowed fan fiction to thrive even more. Something else is the community. Yeah, ultimately, that keeps it running. That's what keeps it running. It's why there are no ads. Uh, geek culture at large is changing, and more women and marginalized folks are claiming their space. People who worked on, and in some cases, continue to work on AO3 warn that we're still seeing bands like what happened on LiveJournal that in part spurred all of this on other platforms. Um, 
And then I just wanted to mention, this is something else Samantha gets random uh, texts from me about. <laughs> the do- they have donation weeks, and it is wild. They'll have a goal of like 50000 and they'll raise 500000 in no time. And so... I donated to the last one and I got these really cool cards that have a different fan fiction trope on all of them, a different tag. I love them. And I also love this story. It's um, it's what we often talk about when Bridget comes on, women and marginalized folks teaching themselves, making spaces on the internet for themselves when they don't see them or feel threatened by like male capitalist dudes coming in. And yes, there are still problems to be addressed, absolutely, and changes to be made to make sure it is as inclusive as it can be, as beautiful as I know it can be, and so that it can continue to grow and thrive and be this space that I... And so it has given me so much and I want to make sure it's the best. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share this story. I know it was a bit long, <laughs> but but I just, I really, I didn't know this as somebody who uses this website every day and I thought it was a great story. So uh, listeners, as always, if you want to share your favorite fan fiction sites or your favorite fan fiction, that would be great. You ooh, Or your favorite tags, that'd be great. You can email us at stephaniedmomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.